to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you love running or eating, you'll love this show. Now, here's your host, Monica Olivas. Hello and welcome to a special East Coast edition of the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. This is Monica, and I am in Florida this week visiting Ben and his family. And normally, for those that don't know, I live in Southern California. So I flew out yesterday and meant to record the podcast before I left. But yesterday morning, I woke up to millions and millions of ants just, you know, hanging out, walking all across my living room floor like there ain't nothing wrong. It's so weird because this is a reoccurring thing. I think I live on an anthill or something and they're not getting in food. They're just kind of, I think they're looking for water, oddly enough. Anyways, this has happened before, but it is like a freaking plague when it happens. It's really ridiculous. So I had to clean that up. Then I had to go for a run. Then I had to get my ass to the airport because I'm always running late and I'm trying to be better about that. The moral of the story is I didn't record at home on my fancy podcasting equipment. I'm actually right now using a set of earbuds with a microphone that I used to run this morning to listen to other podcasts, actually. And I'm pretty sure I got this from the 99 cent store, which is my favorite store. So for sure, shout out to them. But if the audio quality isn't as super awesome as it should be, that is why. I don't have an excuse normally, though, so you can call me out on that. But I wanted to fill you in on some current things. So I didn't want to push out this episode to next week. We need to talk about the best run, eat, and repeat from last month, answer a reader question on fuel, and talk about current events like Easter that just passed. So let's get into all of that and warm up. For today's warm up, I want to talk about Easter because it was super fun this weekend. I was actually out of town running the Boston Marathon last year for Easter. So I didn't get to spend Easter with my family. And so this weekend was extra fun because of that. You know, you kind of enjoy something or appreciate it that much more when you missed it. And I do want to also mention that I have kind of like a good news, bad news situation for my annual Easter bunny cake. First, the good news. Don't you usually start with the bad news? Anyways, I'm gonna start with the good news and say, I made my signature bunny cake I make every year. It's so easy. I will put pictures in the show notes because I put together one of those little Instagram graphics with the squares. It shows a picture of each step. So you can save it for next year. I promise it's easy. I am not crafty or artsy. I'm really not good with details either. I will slap something together and say, meh, good enough. And I've heard my mom say that before too. And I'm like, yep, that's our motto, right? But no, my motto is keep it together. Keep it the hell together. I should add that one in. But um, it it's like I said, it's really easy. And for whatever reason, it just really impresses people. Maybe actually it's not that impressive, but the people around me realize I'm so not good at stuff like this. that They're like, wow, it's like a little kid that brings you a stick figure picture. And you're like, this is great. You're so smart. And maybe that's what people are doing to me. But you know what? I will take it. And like I said, I will put a picture of that in the show notes at runningrepeat.com. But for the bad news, my minimalism has finally just bit me in the ass because 
I'm very pro get rid of everything. We don't need so much stuff. Like I saw the minimalism documentary, which I think I've mentioned before, and I donate a lot of stuff. I don't want to keep anything around that I don't specifically need. I think stories are better than souvenirs. And I would just rather remember my different trips or moments or people in my life. And I don't need things to remember them by, right? Even though that's ironic that I say that because I have a horrible memory. So I don't know. Anyways, I guess I didn't realize this because I thought I kept most of my cooking utensils and I don't know, just tools that I need because I do recipes and a lot of cooking for the blog. So I need these things. I wouldn't just randomly get rid of them. But I think I got rid of my round cake pans, which is what you need to make the bunny cake. So I found a workaround and I ended up using a small saucepan basically to bake the cake. But this was the first time that I realized something I had gotten rid of in my efforts to really just streamline my life really kind of almost effed me. If I wouldn't have had that saucepan, I would have had no other option because I didn't really have anything that was oven safe and the appropriate size. And I was making this probably about like nine o'clock at night, a couple of nights ago. And yeah, I don't know what I would have done because I didn't realize until I had the batter made and I probably would have had to just refrigerate it overnight, which might've changed the consistency. And I, it was the first time I'm glad I found a workaround actually. So I'm not that regretful about it because I figured it out, which I guess goes to show that you make something work, right? Unless it's, I don't know what, you can really adapt to the situation. So I didn't really need the cake pan, but it was the first time that I was like, ah, and actually it made me extra nervous because I've been trying to get my mom to get rid of a lot of stuff because they are remodeling their kitchen. And I went over there two times recently before the remodel. And the remodel is in action right now, right now, as we're hanging out. And I'm so excited about it because it is going to be perfect for cooking videos, which is something I've wanted to do for a really long time. But I've been trying to get her to get rid of a lot of stuff. I'm like, you don't need it. You don't need this. You don't need that. You never need two of anything, you know, donate this, sell this, whatever. But she said like, what if you need something? And I'm like, no, that hasn't really happened to me. And then it did. And I was like, no, like, please do not. Because I also then can't call my mom and complain about how I screwed myself because I've been trying to convince her to get rid of stuff. Luckily, like I said, I found a workaround. And this year I made it out of carrot cake and really tried to take it up a notch. Recently, I had an amazing carrot cake from Porto's Bakery. I think they're in Downey. And I think there's more than one location if you're in or around the LA area. But I had an amazing carrot cake recently. It was like, I want carrot cake again. And I don't want to completely make it from scratch, but I want it to be awesome. So I tried to fancy up a carrot cake mix and I put crushed pineapple, raisins, candied pecans. And what else did I put? I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. But there was a couple of things that I added to it to make it super awesome. And it was, it was really, really good. Highly recommend do this. Like I said, it'll be in the show notes, more information on what I added to that. Cause I took pictures of everything. Now for the actual Easter holiday, I wanted to ask if you do confetti eggs, because this is a somewhat new tradition with my family, but I think it started 
about three or four years ago, my sister-in-law, Heather, brought over confetti eggs. We didn't even really realize at the time, we've always done Easter egg hunts, and we've done them with both real hard-boiled eggs that we decorate and plastic eggs that either have money or candy in them, obviously, right? Like, this is standard. But one year, she brought over confetti eggs, and I think we were all just kind of outside having fun with the kids, and it turned into a confetti egg hunt where I don't even know how it started, but suddenly, you know, there's confetti being cracked on my head and my mom's head and my little brother's head, and we realized there are confetti eggs hidden out here, and you better go find some quickly. It was just really funny and unexpected the first year. And ever since then, I really look forward to it. I think it's super, super fun. But uh, like I said, it was kind of a new tradition for us. And I think that I've seen, obviously, the confetti eggs are sold at stores ready-made. Heather often makes them. Like, she kind of preps and starts saving eggshells. Like, she cracks them very strategically and cooks the eggs and then lets the shells dry out and puts confetti and covers it up with some tissue paper or something. But you can also buy them. Hello again. Shout out to the 99 cent store because I got an 18 pack of them for $1.99, which seems like a lot more awesome and a lot less work than saving the eggs for months. But Heather is a trooper because she's been doing this forever. But when I was running yesterday, I stopped at a park to get some water where I always stop. And since Easter had just passed, there was confetti on the floor. Obviously, it seems like these people were doing confetti eggs as well. So I was just kind of curious if this is a super common Easter tradition. Is this kind of new for everyone? Like, I don't know. Is this trendy? Is this the new thing? Or has this always been something that people have done and I've just been missing out? Now, I love it. And I will put pictures in the show notes because it's super fun. We all get into it. I remember, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, I we put some on my dog and it just like, it just, it, it ends up everywhere and it's like very fun. I found confetti in my car for a couple of weeks because once it's in your hair, it was in my sock, it was in my pants. Like it is so fun though. And I love it and I really look forward to it. So if you don't do that yet, definitely do it. And you can check out the show notes at runningrepeat.com and I'll put some pictures in there of us having fun with all of our confetti eggs. My niece is four and she's just the perfect age for it. Like she's just super excited and she knows how to, you know, get involved and play. And she's a good sport about us putting it on her and trying to get us. And it was just, it was so much fun this year. I just really had the best time. So Highly recommend the confetti eggs for sure. Now, let's get into some running stuff. I have a question that I want to answer that kind of goes in line with all of the fueling that we have been talking about in the previous episodes. So let me read it to you and then I can share my answer. I've been following your blog for a few years and love it. I'm running my first half marathon in June and have no idea how slash when I should incorporate gels into my training. Prior to this year, I've never run longer than about four miles, so it was never a concern of mine. There are so many articles online, but it just gets so confusing. I would appreciate any advice you might have. Thanks, Lauren from San Diego. Thank you, Lauren, for sending out this question because I think it is a very common one, and there are a lot of people right now training for a half marathon in June as well. I have 
the half marathon training group that I started, the goal race is in June. And a lot of people are doing the race that I had originally kind of planned with a couple of family and friends that I was doing the training plan with originally. And a lot of people jumped in on the training program. So there are some people doing a race, I think it's June 9th or 10th, and then other people either doing the weekend before, I think is Rock and Roll San Diego, and there are a lot of other races that month. So this is something that we definitely need to talk about. First, when and how to fuel is based on time, not mileage. So it depends on how long it takes you to run a certain distance. I've heard that our bodies have enough fuel already in the tanks to power us to go about 80 to 90 minutes. And every body is different. And it definitely depends also on how you are fueling beforehand, your overall nutrition, how you kind of balance your macros, and what your previous workouts were. All of those things factor in for sure. So if you are coming off of a very active day, or you eat kind of low carb or something else that might affect your fuel stores in your body, it'll be a little bit less. I've actually read that it's anywhere between 60, like it's as low as 60 in terms of how much fuel your body has. It depends on you. But first, it's based on time. So you want to start having gels or chews or whatever fuel you're going to use on a run around that time period. So 60 to 90 minutes. And since you're training for your first half marathon, and this is the first time in your running that you are practicing having gels or having something on a run, I would actually err on the side of doing it earlier in the training rather than later, because I don't want to wait until I am just a couple weeks out from my first race to practice this. And that means potentially just having a little bit of fuel, right? But you want to get used to what your body likes. So what it responds to, maybe potentially it's saying, I do not like this kind of gel or fuel or whatever you're using and get used to actually pulling it out of your fuel belt or your sports bra or wherever you have it tucked and opening it and eating it while you're running, because that is not natural or easy to do, and it takes practice. So part of what you're doing is getting your body used to certain fuels and making sure that you figure out what your body needs and wants, and also getting used to actually the act of getting a gel, opening the package, consuming it, drinking some water while running, which is not easy. It's not, it's still not necessarily easy for me right now. So practice makes progress, right? And that's what we are going for here. So depending on how much you want to prepare for this, you can start as early as for a run that's an hour long to maybe 80 to 90 minutes long. So depending on how much you want to practice this, you might want to start using a gel on a run that is as quote unquote short as 60 minutes. And it really depends on you on what you think you need. But I would say err on the side of kind of starting it earlier rather than later, and even potentially not taking all the gel in, right? If you don't think you need it all, but you just want to practice grabbing it, opening it, taking it in, taking a drink of water, and just taking half of it or something, you can't really keep a gel for later. 
I've tried and I have gotten mocha gel all the hell over myself. So PSA, I'm not saying that. I am saying you might want to just toss it and it is kind of wasteful, but it's practicing, right? And it, it might give you a lot more confidence and just kind of get you used to what you need to do on race day and for those longer runs. I would say, you know, practice makes progress and that's what we're going for. So you can practice this. And when you do start doing this, you want to use that 10, 30, 45 approach that we talked about. And it was podcast episode 72 with Coach Steve. And he suggests having fuel, gels, whatever you're going to use at about 45 minutes into your run. Now, you can do this a little bit earlier if you are doing a shorter run relative. So if you're doing an 80-minute run and you want to start you know, fueling at 40 minutes, at 35 minutes, you can try that. You can kind of practice those things. Um, and like I said, you can maybe just take in half a gel if it is a 60-minute run and you just want to practice. It's really up to you depending on how you think, how coordinated you are, if you can walk and chew gum and juggle, then maybe you're going to be fine. But I would say get a couple of different flavors of gel. Some of them have extra sodium. Some of them have caffeine. You might want to try different flavors. I will put links in the show notes to some of my favorites, but this is about practice, right? And ultimately you want to definitely start fueling if you are running 80 minutes or longer. But around that time period, it is kind of up to you in terms of how much fuel you take in. You want to do it around the 45-minute mark and, yeah, and just practice and see where it goes from there. Let me know how it goes, and I hope that answered your question. If you have any follow-ups, definitely feel free to reach out. And if you guys have a question for me, you can always email me at runningrepeat at gmail.com, or you can leave a message on the RER voicemail line. And that is 562-888-1644. And it actually, there's a link to that phone number on my Instagram. There is, I think it's like call, email, directions or something. If you press the call option, tab, whatever you want to call it, on the run, eat, repeat Instagram, it calls that phone number and you can just leave a voicemail. Let me know your question. Thanks. Now let's talk about my favorite run, eat, and post I want to repeat for March. Now this is where I tell you my highlights of last month kind of rounded up and put it in bullet point style on the blog. So you can check out Run and Repeat for pictures of everything I'm going to mention here. But first, my favorite run. Now I ran two half marathons in March and the first one was the Tustin Hanger Half Marathon. I talked about that a couple weeks ago on the show because I had a major fueling fail and I just had a really tough race. And recently, more recently, I ran the PCRF Reaching for the Cure Half Marathon in Irvine. Both of these are races in Orange County. Both of them are actually pretty close to where I live. So it was just so convenient. I could not pass up a super convenient race close to my house. But I talked about the Tustin Hanger Half Marathon when I was talking about fueling recently because I did not fuel well the day before the race. And I just really felt it on race day. I did not feel good. I had a hard race and there was really no reason for it. The weather was mild. 
it was a close to my house kind of race, which I always think is helpful, right? Because you have that hometown advantage of knowing the climate, knowing the terrain, um, not having to deal with a ton of logistics. So I should have had all of that in my favor, right? I just did not have a good race. And the PCRF half marathon wasn't like my fastest race ever, but I just had a better time. I felt better in general. I started off slow actually, because I saw someone that I knew at the start and kind of talked to them for a little bit, but I just felt a lot better. And that's ultimately what I was gauging it on. So my favorite run of the month is definitely the PCRF half marathon. And I kind of wanted to acknowledge this too, and kind of mention both of these races because my finish times are not that different for these races. For the test and race, I finished in 148.47. And that's an average pace of 817 per mile. So it's 817 minute mile, right? The PCRF, I finished in 146.37. So just like two minutes, actually, two minutes and 10 seconds faster. That was it. And that's an average pace of 813 per mile. So really, tested race felt like crap. Ultimately, it was just four seconds per mile slower than the PCRF half marathon that I felt a lot better. And I would say that the courses are similar in terms of how challenging they are, right? They're fairly similar. And it was just two minutes and 10 seconds different. But I felt like shit at the Tustin half marathon. And I wanted to note this because when I mentioned it, I think it was on Instagram or maybe it was on the post about the Tustin race. And I said, I did not have a good race. I did not feel good, blah, blah, blah. Some people chimed in and said, that's an awesome time. Like, I wish I could have that time in a half marathon and all of this stuff. I wasn't talking about my time. I wasn't gauging my success or failure based on my finish time. I was saying I felt like shit and I shouldn't have. And that was because I failed myself in how I was treating my body. I expected myself to run 13.1 miles on Sunday. And on Saturday, I did not take care of myself. I did not refuel after I ran. I did not make nutrition a priority, which is this kind of common theme, right? That we've been talking about lately is fueling and nutrition. And I've been doing this for way too damn long to make that mistake. It was just, I mean, it happens. I was, it was a busy day and there was a lot of excuses, blah, blah, blah. But really, I just want to kind of acknowledge that it doesn't have to be about numbers. And this is in terms of like running or any progress that you're making with something that you're working on, because this ties in oftentimes to with weight, right? And it's not necessarily how many calories are in something that you eat, but how does it make you feel? You know, you could eat something that's really low in calories. If it doesn't make you feel great, was it really that great? Or, you know, you can eat something super high in calories and it can also make you feel like shit, right? And you're like, eh, was that worth it or not? I just wanted to mention this because it was important to me that I realized I made a mistake with my fueling and paid the price for it in not feeling great, not really feeling strong or confident during my race. And that's really important to me. Um, So it's not necessarily just what my numbers were at the end of that race. And this kind of ties into 
with my favorite eat of the month that I wanted to talk about. This one is always really hard for me to choose because I start going through my pictures of food and kind of my favorite meals from the previous month. And I'm always like, oh, it's so hard to pick. But I definitely wanted to talk about the stuffed crust pizza that I had recently that was amazing. And it's extra noteworthy because I shared this, the post, actually, it's called Eat Pizza When It's Hot. It was a post I did. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But it just kind of reminded me of a time when I would not have eaten pizza. I've been craving pizza. I wanted pizza lately. It was something that's kind of just been on my mind. But I had meal prepped a ton of food that would go bad if I didn't eat it. And I had been out to eat a couple times, not to pizza places. Like it just, I wasn't able to get my hands on some pizza. It was important. This was important to me. Um, So finally, I just went out, got pizza the other night. And it kind of occurred to me that there was just a long time that I wouldn't allow myself to enjoy something like this and just enjoy it. And when I want pizza now, like I wasn't hanging out with a bunch of people. I wasn't at a pizza party. Do people still do those? Because if you do, please invite me. But there wasn't like an excuse for it. It wasn't, I don't know, any reason outside of I wanted pizza. And even though I was just chilling by my damn self, I ordered pizza. And I wanted to note this because I remembered a time that I would never, it would just not have been acceptable to me to just order something that I thought was decadent or high in calorie or quote unquote bad at the time. You know, these are things that I used to think and just like enjoy the hell out of it without guilt. And sometimes I get comments on Instagram, Facebook, my blog, anywhere really, emails. And I know people are still kind of struggling with this and it is a process and it takes a long time. If you have a history of labeling things as good or bad, right? It takes a while. Like this is something that you have thought and practiced for a really long time and to not be there. I just like want to note it. I also, it was really good pizza. Hunger makes the best sauce. And especially because I really wanted it. And I wasn't just eating it just because it was randomly there or because I was bored or whatever. Like I had been looking forward to this. So I got it and I enjoyed it. And I didn't feel guilty at all when I went to pick it up. I don't know. I think I noted. Oh, yes. This is kind of what triggered it too, is that there was um, the calorie count on the menu. And I'm like, are you serious? (laughs) I was like, I feel really attacked right now. But it didn't phase me at all because I was like, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm going to eat this either way. And I don't want to take away joy from it, feeling guilty about it. So it just, it was amazing pizza. And I want to share that if you want something, it's better to just have it and have it in the most delicious way. If you want a donut, go to a donut shop and get a fresh donut or, and both of these things put it in the microwave for a couple of seconds because there is seriously nothing better than a donut that's been reheated for a couple of seconds in the microwave. It is freaking magic. And if you want something else, like just enjoy it in its best form. Give yourself permission to, because that is when it is the most delicious. And 
I had that, I, so I had this craving for pizza. I had amazing pizza. I enjoyed the heck out of it. I didn't feel guilty at all. I definitely would have eaten the entire pizza had I not given a couple pieces to my brother, because I know how much he would love stuffed crust pizza. Cause we talk about these things. I love talking about food with people too. Anyways. Um, so if not for that, I definitely would have like kept eating it and I try to be mindful of habits. Like I just have sometimes mindless eating habits. And I, I try to keep that in mind without denying myself or restricting myself. And you can check out that post, eat pizza when it's hot, because I talk about how there was definitely a time where I would have never eaten this or to go to the title, I would have eaten it in secret. Like I wouldn't have left and not in secret on purpose, like not like I'm hiding it from the people around me, but more like, no, no, thank you. I don't want that. I'm eating this healthy thing. And I wouldn't participate in like whatever delicious food was going on. But then later I would feel really like I missed out or I didn't get that craving fulfilled. So I would go and grab a piece and just, you know, eat a piece of cake at the counter um, mindlessly kind of thing without really enjoying it. And so I say, enjoy things in their best form and do not feel bad about it because life is too freaking short. Now, for the posts, I'd like to repeat. It is really hard to pick one. I think that everything from the fueling series for runners was amazingly helpful. I will put links in the show notes to all of those episodes so you can check them out or you can check out the previous episodes if you missed it. But I think that this has answered a ton of questions from all different types of runners and I've gotten awesome feedback. And one of them, one of the episodes, I think it's actually 72. If you go to the show notes for that, there is a PDF download on tips on how to fuel that you can check out too. Now it's time for the awards. Today's running repeat award of the day goes to string cheese. Yeah, that's it. String cheese. I just have this weird string cheese thing with it right now. Now, if you have a question for me, like I said, you can leave a voicemail or email me running repeat at gmail.com with podcast question in the subject line. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to the show. And if you have a minute, rate the show one Brazilian stars in iTunes or Stitcher or however you listen to podcasts. I really appreciate it. Have a great run. Thank you for listening to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. For more information, check out runeatrepeat.com.